Paranorm podcast contains content that might not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. This is Paranorm Podcast. All right. Ready? Yep. Hey guys, it's Emily. And Sierra. Here with episode two of Paranorm, um, the podcast where we discuss all things paranormal and true crime because we're spooky little bitches and <laughs> that's what we like. That's right. Um, you guys are going to ask, where's episode one? That's one mystery we're just not willing to talk about. No, ma'am. So anyway, to tell you a little about a bit about of ourselves, um, again, I'm Emily. Uh, I'm from North Carolina. I have a real thick accent. You guys will hear it come out more. (laughs) The more emotional you get, the more Southern you get. (laughs) Yes. So, um, like Sierra just said, the more heated I get, and believe me, some of these stories I will get heated, um, the more Southern I become. It just, it it is what it is. And episode two, the one we are about to talk about, uh, is toxic masculinity. So... Heavy, heavy, heavy. Heavy, heavy, heavy southern accent <laughs> coming at you. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm from North Carolina, Sierra. I'm from the Hoosier State. <laughs> <laughs> um, which well, I did we... not know what, what what that was until <laughs> Sierra moved in with me. Um, it's Indiana. Um, That's right. Yeah, so. Yeah, we have a, we have a kind of country twang that's not quite southern, <laughs> but a little bit redneck. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we are, like I said, roommates, and we've been roommates for a year and a half, a year and some change. It feels like we've known each other forever, and <laughs> um, I, yeah, I don't think I'd have it any other way. She's no, absolutely not. I'm a I'm a very high strung kind of person. <laughs> I'm <a> very loud. No. <laughs> Sierra's a very calm person. Um, she's very chill, very mellow. I'm telling you guys all about her because she does not like to tell people about her. No, not really. <laughs> so it just goes with my laid back personality. Yeah, it just goes with my overbearing one. So well, but you keep my life interesting. There we go. That's true. Um. But, yeah, so we're going to tell you some spooky stories, some enraging stories, Mm -hmm. some wackadoodle, and yes, that's a word I use because I'm actually 90 years old, Um, uh, wackadoodle stories, conspiracy theories, man. Um, Getting on the train. Getting on that train. Uh, Sierra is going to hear everything for the first time. (laughs) That's right. So (laughs) it's going to be a wild ride, and we really look forward to you guys coming along with us. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, here we go. always in the driver's seat. Always in the driver's seat, um, if you cannot tell. I literally run my mouth so much. <laughs> when I was little, my dad would tell me to take breaks. <laughs> we would have silent minutes in the car. Um, oh, man. I was the best at the silent game. <laughs> I sucked at it. <laughs> um, so, hi, Dad. Um, he's not going to listen to another episode after this. <laughs> eh, we'll throw him a bone on episode three. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Maybe. Mm, probably. Daddy, don't hold your breath on that. Um... <laughs> Yes, I call my dad daddy. It is a southern thing. Do not make it a sexual thing or you will be blocked. I don't know how I'll block you, but I'll block you. Um, but there is always a way. There's always a way. And I am a internet PI. MacGyver. MacGyver, man. So, I don't know how to work a printer, but I can find a way to block you. So. Yep. Um, but I have to have my skills. <laughs> Yeah, um, Sierra is in charge of all of our editing, all of our producing, all of that wonderful, wonderful stuff, and I do the cases, so that is, that is our, our journey. That's right. That's us. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to our ride, man. Okay, so for this week's story, um, we're coming in strong with episode two. Of course. Um, the case of toxic masculinity. So, I mean... Nothing stronger than that right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've seen the world we live in. So, 
Um, just to give like a quick citation, all of my info is from Murderpedia, CNM.com, The Guardian, and The NY Times. So thank you for that awesome information because literally so much information. So today we'll be discussing the mass murderer, Elliot Roger, who, let's just say, is a psycho. I mean, two first names. Yeah. Oh, just wait. Just wait. Okay, so Roger was born Elliot Oliver. God, I can't even get that one out. It's a lot. <laughs> Elliot Oliver Robertson Roger on July 24th, 1991. And I mean, right there. That's four names. So. <laughs> on July 4th. <laughs> like, that's 24th. Coming in with the bang. 24th. Not the 4th. Oh. The 24th. It's not so exciting now. Not so exciting now. Um, he was born in London, like I said, and moved to Los Angeles when he was five years old. His mother is Lee Chen Roger, a Malaysian research assistant for a film company. So, I mean... Alright, that's cool. Pretty cool job. And his father is a British filmmaker, Peter Roger, who's worked on things such as um, The Hunger Games. Oh. So, you know, tiny film. Nobody's heard of it. No, no one's <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up afterwards. <laughs> um, he had a younger sister and a younger half-brother. Um, so half brothers. Oh yeah. I, we don't know anything about this. <laughs> um, he attended a Catholic high school, an all male Catholic high school in Encino, California, and then moved to Taft, Taft, Taft. We're going to go with Taft high school, um, by ninth grade. So Roger was increasingly bullied, which is one of the reasons he moved schools because the bullying got so bad. Um, and wrote that he cried by himself at school every day during his time at Crespi Carmelite High, which is the Catholic school that he attended. He was bullied by other students who once taped his head to his desk when he fell asleep, which, what? I mean, where are the teachers? Right, right? Like, where are the teachers? Um, like, it's one thing to do that to your friend, like, as a joke. Yeah. But, like... I don't know if I would tape one of my friend's heads to a desk. <laughs> That's kind of terrifying. You'd probably tape your brother's head to a desk. Oh, yeah, my brother's. They would deserve it. Grayson <laughs> deserve it. Um, but, yeah, no, I... Like, can't even imagine that. Um, just, like, one piece of scotch tape. One piece of scotch tape. Like, you can jerk your head up pretty yeah. quick after that. But as the way he described it, um, it seems to have added to his decreasing mental health. Because, like, you're being bullied every single day yeah. to, like, an increased amount every single day. And it didn't help that he had been in and out of therapy since the age of eight. Wow. Eight years old yeah. and this kid's already in therapy. Um, this decreasing in his stability is noted in his own YouTube videos, which one video in particular, he was heard saying, after researching this medication, because he was on medication for his depression and anxiety and his just... I mean, understandable. Unstable, yeah. Like, unstable school life, and then it just, obviously, he needed some sort of medication to help him go about his everyday life. So, it's... I lost my spot. Oh, after researching this medication, I found that it was absolute wrong thing for me to take. So, like, if you're already not trusting yeah. what your doctor is giving you, it's a little, little sketchy yeah, territory. Yeah, really sketchy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, this vlog was entitled Elliot Rogers Officially Official Blog, which, thankfully, YouTube did something right for once and took it down. Yeah. Took down his old channel, the whole channel, um, because it's it violated some of their community guidelines. However, a lot of news websites have found the videos and mm. reposted them, yeah. so it's still out there, but it's not not like right there, right there. You can, like you can, can see it. anybody who can use Google can find it because I found it, and safe to say it's very disturbing, like wow. very disturbing. So. Um, I guess we'll get into his <laughs> path of murder. <laughs> so here in, we go, people. Yeah, this is where the downfall really like just 
hits hard. So in July 2011, Roger stalked and threw coffee on a couple outside of a Starbucks at the Comedia Real Marketplace in Goleta. After the incident, he threw coffee on um, two other girls sitting at a bus stop in Isla Vista for not paying attention to him. For not paying attention to him, Sierra. I mean... I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no. Um, but it's like basically catcalling. Yes. Yeah, but like violent. Yeah. So it even, it gets worse from here, obviously. Everything gets worse. Just so much downhill. worse. So in July 2012, Roger purchased a super soaker, filled it, like, you know, the super soaker. Oh, yeah. We, water gun yeah, things. Like, it's it. the big water guns with the big well, tank. it looks like just like yeah, a big. Yeah, it's, it's a big, big thing, you know? Every child had one, or I hope every child had one, because if they didn't... I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But he purchased a super soaker, filled it with orange juice, and used it to spray a group playing kickball in Gersh Park as um, they obviously just played kickball, because, you know... I mean, not doing anything... Not doing anything aggressive or, or, like, disrupting his daily life, but... I'm going to spray these dudes with orange juice, you know? What if people are, like, allergic, you know? <laughs> what if What if they just want to play kickball? I mean, the, like, you are traumatizing other people. Yeah, like, and it doesn't, like, you know it's hot. It's been sitting in there, so it smells real weird. Uh, so sticky. All the so bees. So sticky. And, it, like, if it had pulp in it, oh, God, no. I don't think I could handle that. <laughs> Could not handle that. I mean, I like a little pulp in my orange juice, but not in my... <laughs> super soaker. <laughs> not in his super soaker. Uh, if there was pulp, it probably got jammed. So oh, probably. probably so it's probably, like, pulp-free. Yeah. I like how we're dissecting this. This is great. <laughs> this is the content everybody needs to hear. Pulp I or mean, no pulp in your super just soaker. Just so you know, if, if you're gonna super soak someone with orange juice, you should get pulp-free. Oh, yeah, definitely. Recommended by Paranormal Podcast. <laughs> 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, So in September 2012, so this is a couple months after the July incident, um, Roger visited a shooting range to train himself in firing handguns. Um, So. I mean, in and of itself, responsible. Responsible, you know, go to the range, shoot what you need to shoot. It's okay, but... um, that's in a safe environment. There's people witnessing what you're doing. Yeah. You know? Instructors, people who yeah. can help you. Yeah, yeah. You're not shooting actual people. There's, hopefully. like, safety regulations. Yes, safety and safety protocols in place. Yeah. Um, so, in sept- um, and that was in September. In November 2012, he purchased his first handgun, a Glock 34 pistol, in Goleta. After doing research on handguns and judging that the Glock 34... To be a highly accurate and efficient weapon. And he documented this in his manifesto. Because, oh yeah, this fucker had a 107,000 word manifesto. Wow. What? (laughs) That's like longer than a lot of books. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Can you? No. Okay, so later down the road... I think it was in either December or January. So it was either December 2012 or January 2013. 2013. Um, He attended a party where he wrote that he tried to shove girls at a party over a ledge, but he couldn't do it. And then the men rushed to him and pushed him over. He said that he felt a snap in his ankle, followed by a stinging um, pain, and tried to get away from them as fast as he could. So, you're just gonna push some girls over? Um, because they weren't paying attention to him, once again. Not paying attention to him. Um, realizing that he left his Gucci sunglasses at the party, because, you know, he ran away. Heaven forbid. Yeah, he ran away as fast as he could, so he left those Gucci's behind. (sighs) I hate it when that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he returned to the party to retrieve them, but the same people that he had 
messed with before, Mm -hmm. the men that tried to protect the chicks, um, began mocking him and calling him names, and then dragged him into the driveway and beat him up. This is all according to Roger's manifesto. Okay, so skewed. Yeah, because his neighbor, Roger's neighbor, goes on to tell police that he said he saw Roger come home crying and said that Roger had claimed that he was going to go kill those men who attacked him and kill myself. Quote, unquote. Um, Roger told investigating officers that he had been assaulted, but they determined that he might have been the aggressor. Gotcha. So, he wrote in his manifesto that the incident was the final trigger for his, um, spring, not spring, spree. Spree. His spree, not his spring, in (laughs) spring of 2013. It sprung him into action. (laughs) Whoa now. Um, but it, it was, it was like the The icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, that pushed him into his spree. In 2013. So, Roger, after this incident, bought two additional handguns, both SIG pistols, writing that they were much higher quality than the Glock, and a, quote, lot more efficient. So. I mean, efficiency. Yeah. I cannot roll my eyes hard enough. Like, cannot. Um, he purchased the weapons in different cities, um, Oxnard and Burbank, and I like how I keep saying these names as I know, as if I know where they are. Sort of know where, yeah, I know the state. (laughs) That's about it. Um, but he purchased weapons in two different cities, and according to his manifesto, Roger saved $5,000 to purchase the weapons and supplies that he needed. Gun law experts said that there was nothing in his known history that could have prevented him from making the legal gun purchases. Because it's definitely not like he had been in and out of psychiatric care since the age of eight, or that he had explicitly said to law enforcement officials that he was thinking of self-harm. But sure, let's give another white, demented man a gun. That sounds like a great idea to do. Yeah, I don't know how much of that background stuff. How much can they? They even have see? to. Re- they have to report it. Yeah. Like okay. if if somebody like if a psychiatrist is told mm-hmm. that I'm going to harm myself or I'm mm-hmm. going to harm others, they have to report it. Mandatory. Mandatory, mandatory reporting. reporting. Got it. And just like with police officers, they it ha- it has to be noted. Yeah. There are laws and regulations in place for such. You know? For such mental health situations. Yes. But there's not as many as there needs to be. Gotcha. You know? Yeah. Like, this dude was clearly not well. Mm-hmm. Like, if he is tormenting these chicks, if he is tormenting, like, his neighbors, like, the people playing kickball, if you're shooting mm-hmm. people with orange juice, and if you're in and out of, like, psychiatric care since mm-hmm. the age of eight, you might not be in and out of, like, psychiatric facilities, but, mm-hmm. like, in and out of psychiatric treatment. This thing never wants to stay on for me. In case you're wondering, I just knocked off the mic cover for my mic. Casual. Casual. So, that's probably a lovely sound for everybody. I hope <laughs> you enjoyed it. Just, just edit whatever you have to edit. <laughs> it's gonna be so great. Sierra's gonna spend 40 billion hours on this, so... Yeah, it's gonna be really great, guys. My contribution to you this, guys. This second episode is just gonna kill it. If you <laughs> if you just even knew about the first episode, you just would be like, "What are you guys doing?" <laughs> the second episode's even more trash. Just don't even worry about it, guys. We got this. Um, we can only go up from here. Oh, seriously, that's true. We can only go up from here. But anyway, I completely forgot. I got off on a tangent. Get used to it. I will get off on so many tangents. Just be prepared. (laughs) Buckle the fuck up, because here we come. So back to Rogers. Rogers originally sought to carry out his attack on Halloween 2013, Mm -hmm. um, but reconsidered because, quote, there would be too many cops walking around during an event like Halloween, and cops are the only ones who could hinder my plans. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong, but, like, God bless America. Like, honestly, people... Somebody should have noticed something. 
And they probably did, but didn't think didn't about it. Didn't say anything. Or didn't think about it in that way. You they're know, like, just, people always... Like, yeah, after the fact. After the fact, they're always like, oh, there were these signs. Yeah, and then there's the fact that he was a white dude that was from a higher class family. Mm-hmm. So they had the money to prevent things like this being seen as more than something. Oh. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, oh, it's just, it's just Elliot being Elliot. You know? Boys will be boys. Oh, God. Boys will be boys is the worst sentence to ever come about. Like, no, boys will be taught to do what you let them to do. Boys will put bugs in their shorts, sure. Boys will not go out and kill people because you let them think that that's okay. Yeah. So, there we go. There's another tangent. Just... If anybody says boys will be boys to me, it just, it's, Sierra knows. She's had a little glint in her eyes. You guys could not see that little glint, but she knew as soon as she said that, that it would be another veer, veer right. Guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, the Halloween plan was next. Halloween 2013 was safe. But on January 15th, 2014, Roger accused his roommate, Cheng Yuan Hong, of stealing his candles. Hong was arrested and charged with petty theft, and he pled guilty to the charge. So, Sierra, don't you be stealing my candles. I may have to put one back. (laughs) (laughs) I have a real obsession with candles. Like, TJ Maxx does not even know what hit them after I come to their candle section. It's it's a serious business around here. Mm-hmm. Especially the pumpkin. <laughs> Any fall candle. That's my cup of tea yeah, right there. Fall. fall in general. Just mm-hmm. popping. So if you want, guys want to send one our way, <laughs> we won't be opposed. I just love the fall candles. Um, so after Hong pled guilty, on um, April 30th, 2014, Roger's parents contacted police after becoming alarmed by his behavior and his YouTube videos, because I remember I said he had a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. So, he wrote in his manifesto that he had already planned the killings and purchased his guns by that time, and that officers who intervened and interviewed him at his apartment would have found the weapons if they had conducted a search of his bedroom. So, like, it was so close to happening. He was His plans were already in action. If those officers had searched his bedroom, they would have found everything. Wow. I feel like the officers... Like, how could you not carry that with you? Yeah. You know? Like, to know that you were so close to preventing something so, so horrific. So, so close. Like, all I had to do was search that kid's bedroom. God, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine. I could not imagine. I mean, but that's, like, something we probably live with every day. It's all yeah. those things that coulda, shoulda, woulda. All those little near misses. Yeah. And things that they couldn't have known, nor could they have legally committed. Or yeah. followed through with. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's pretty sad that his parents had growing concern. You know? I mean, on the one hand, but also... Where were your concerns two years ago? Yeah, seriously. Um, but, so, the officers that conducted the search were a part of Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department. So, the sheriff for that county, mm-hmm. um, Bill Brown, later said that deputies determined that he did not meet a criteria for an involuntary hold. And that Rogers told them that it was a misunderstanding so this misunderstanding occurred three weeks before his killings. Mm. Three weeks. All right, so time for the horrific shit. Yeah, here we Why go. we're here today. Um, on May 23rd, 2014, in Isla Vista, California, near the campus of the University of California, Santa Barbara, 22-year-old Elliot Rogers started his spree by stabbing 19-year-old George Chen, 20-year-old Cheng Yuan Hong, and 20-year-old Weihan David Wang while they slept. So, these were all three of his roommates. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
all three of these dudes were roommates. And I know we haven't said it yet, but Sierra and I are roommates. So <laughs> I could not imagine. No, like those people, like What's... those people that you see every day. Every single day. That you trust enough to be in a home with. And it's your home. Yeah. So, like, you feel safe enough to go to sleep with these people in the other room. Like, I And can... them with him in the other room. Yeah. Hold on, I gotta take a wine break, guys. So, it was determined that um, George Chen, one of his roommates, faced the most brutality with 94 stab wounds. 94 stab wounds. Wow. That is so much rage. So much rage. Because, like, you know that stabbing is one of the most personal crimes. Because yeah. it's right there up in it. Yeah. Like, that is... That is terrifying. Um, after killing his roommates, he was seen sitting in his car parked in the parking lot of his uh, apartment building. Working on his laptop. So, during this time, around 9.17pm, his uh, video manifesto called Retribution was uploaded. And he also emailed his manifesto a minute later to his, um, his therapist, his parents, some other family members. So, he emailed it to about a dozen people. Mm -hmm. So, like, that, like I said, included, like, former school teachers and childhood friends just everybody. Uh, literally, like, can you imagine getting an email from somebody, like, your childhood friend, like, just describing all the ways you've wronged them and what he's about to do? Like, no. how scary that would be. Like, at first you'd be like, I feel like I would be like, this is not real. Like, this is a joke of some sort. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then after, after, like, processing, you'd be like... Holy crap. Yeah, like, like, what do I do? Where do I go from right now? Yeah, and especially if it's, like, someone you haven't kept in contact with. Or yeah, like, childhood friends. So, like, Yeah, like, you weren't, or even if he you was, weren't really friends with them, you know? Yeah, he was, like, what, 22? So, like, his, uh, his school teachers, like you're saying, he wasn't even really friends with them. Yeah. It was his school teachers. And he's 22 now, so he's been out of school for, what, like, Four or five, five years? years? Yeah. yeah. So, depending on when he graduated, so, I mean... I'm 22, so I've been out of school, what, five years? So, like, yeah, no, I could not, I could not imagine. Um, after he emailed it, he drove to uh, a sorority house, the Alpha Phi sorority house in, in, in Bacardo, in Bacardio del Norte, on Segovia Road. I'm so sorry if I'm butchering these names, guys, but you have to, um, just have to know, I'm very Southern. I have never been out of the South, <laughs> so the Southern accent will come out real hard later. Just you wait. Um, but yeah, so please don't yell at me, mm -hmm. because I don't know how to say a lot of these names. So anyway, he knocked on the sorority house uh, door for about five to seven minutes. So that's just like constant... Pounding. Pounding. And... um. A couple of the girls that were inside said that they heard him knocking and they thought it was a joke. Oh, yeah. Like, one of the girls' boyfriends was playing a joke on them. Right. Um, so, no one answered. And Oh, crap. Yeah. After no one answered, he began shooting people who were nearby. Two women, Catherine Cooper, 22, and Veronica Wise, 19, were killed. Um, and a third, Bianca DeCock, 20, who, she was wounded. Um, these were just, like, chicks just living their life, man. Just I mean, walking down the street like they normally would. Yeah. Two, two of them, like you said, were just walking down the street. One of them was on the side part of the house. So, I mean, a 22-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 20-year-old. Like, babies. So. Yes, exactly. Like, I just, uh, but thankfully, Bianca DeCock was only wounded. However, like I said, 22-year-old um, Catherine Cooper and 19-year-old Veronica Wise were sadly killed. He then fired at a couple nearby. Uh, the man was wounded while the woman received a um, superficial, like, graze injury. Mm. It just kind of nicked her a little bit. 
Um, these, this couple wasn't named, so I could not find their name, and I looked on a buttload of sites. Um, <laughs> gotcha. So, returning to his car, Roger drove two blocks to the Isla Vista Deli Mart on Pardell Road, where he briefly got out of his car and fatally shot a 20-year-old named Christopher Ross Michaels Martinez, who was inside the Deli Mart. He wasn't even on the fucking street. He was inside the deli. Like, just (sighs) anybody he saw. Yeah, just anybody. just anybody he saw. And I attached pictures of his car and the street um, with a sorority house on it to the blog. So if you guys want to check that out, it's all on the blog. Pictures of this creep is also on the blog. So after he shot 20-year-old Christopher, he was seen getting back into his car. The people that saw him were leaving were four responding foot patrol officers. Uh, but they did not identify him as the shooter. So they didn't know it was him. Oh, okay. Because they didn't, they had conflicting reports on the car, the dude. Like, there was mm-hmm. so much information coming in at once. Because you know an active shooter situation. Yes. Is an insane situation. Like, you have things coming at you a million miles per hour. So, um, drove south on Del Norte on the wrong side of the road. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, so you know how this is going to go. That's in- very inconspicuous. Oh, yeah, completely. He's also driving a black BMW. So he's driving on the wrong side of the road. Yes. Nine o'clock at night. Oh, my goodness. He starts shooting out the window. Like you do. Like you do. Casual, everyday kind of things. Um, at two pedestrians on the sidewalk. Thankfully, he missed both of them. Thankfully. So, oh those gun those gun training classes did not do much for well, him. Well, I mean, when you're in this kind of state. Yeah, exactly. Because you, like, he full-on break from reality at this point. Um, so, he f- misses those two. And then, the road curves near a 7-Eleven. It's called The Loop. Mm-hmm. So, where... At this point, he continues firing, and he hits a 22-year-old Megan Carlotto in the leg. Mm-hmm. Um, he then drove south on that same road um, and shot and missed another woman. Mm-hmm. He turned east on Del Playa Drive and made a U-turn and drove west. So at this time, he is just up and down, up and down, up and down. You know? Like any street. Any street street he sees, he's going down it. Yeah. Um, So, at that time, he exchanged fire with a sheriff's deputy who was responding to a um, 911 call that came in about 927. Um, So, this is, what, 10 minutes after he was seen Mm -hmm. in the parking lot of his apartment building. 10 minutes, and all this has gone down. Wow. That is... It's crazy. Like, it is actually crazy how He's fast. He's already been to, like, three, four spots and, mm-hmm. like, shot people. Shot people. Or at people. Yep. And in ten minutes. Like, yeah. I can barely put my shoes on in ten minutes. <laughs> she is not lying. <laughs> she gets so distracted. Not as bad as I am, though, but seriously, ten minutes and this, this goes down. Which just goes to show you how 10 minutes can feel like an actual eternity. Yeah. In these kind of, like, high-stress situations. Yes. So, turning north on Camino del Sur, Rogers shot and wounded three people at a Sabato Tarde. I don't... I guess that's a street, because it says turning east on Sabato Tarde. He struck two skateboarders um, named L.A.G. and Nick Pasuche. We're just going to call him Nick. Um, Both of them were 19. So, I mean, again, this is a college town. These are college students that he is injuring. People who are just starting out in their lives. Mm -hmm. You know? They're just getting a little taste of freedom. Yes. And then this shit happens. It just... Like, it's... It's unfair. Yeah. Completely unfair. Completely 100% unfair. So... Still driving on this same Sabato Tarde um, near Little Acorn Park, he exchanged um, gunfire with three sheriff's deputies. He shot at another person in a Camino um, and was 
he, while he was shooting at these three sheriff's deputies, he wounded one in the left hip. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give the officer's name, um, but he shot him in the left hip. And then he turned south back onto Embarcado, um, and then west again on Del Playa. So, like, again, he is what? just mm-hmm. going everywhere. So, at this point, he's come into contact with four different... Four different police officers. Well, I mean, up close and personal with four. Because he saw the one at the, um... Isla Vista Deli. Mm-hmm. It was because he had the four at the Isla, Dis- Isla Vista um, Deli who didn't know that it was him. Mm-hmm. So nine police officers. No, eight. Eight. Because mm-hmm. he had the one. So four at the. Oh yeah, yeah, Four yeah. at the. Yeah, at so the deli. One responding to an nine one one call. And then three yeah. at the little Acorn Park. So yeah, by this point he's come in contact with three different. Sheriff's deputies, and still has not slowed down a bit. So, he turned south, um, again, on Del Playa, and so, he turned south, and he struck a bicyclist, bicyclist, a bicyclist, a bicyclist, guys, (laughs) that's how we're gonna say it, a bicyclist, and then crashed onto the north sidewalk. So, it took police officers a moment to find where he was because, like I said, he was going in a billion different directions. Um, so he was found dead when police officers did finally catch up to him. Um, That's anticlimactic. Yeah, seriously. Um, police said that he had completed suicide. So a total of seven people died, including Rogers, and 13 others were wounded. Um, in the aftermath of it all, police investigated 12 separate crime scenes in 10 locations. That's a lot of tape. Oh, yeah. A lot of tape and a lot of evidence markers. Yes. So, a search of Roger's car recovered three 9mm semi-automatic pistols and more than 400 rounds of unspent ammunition. Wow. 400 rounds of unspent ammunition. Not including all the ones that he was able to shoot at. Yeah. So, all loaded into 41 10-round magazines. Oh, my God. Ready to go. That guy was prepared. Yes. Um, The guns were purchased legally in three different cities. Uh, Santa Barbara County Sheriff, again, Bill Brown, said that there was a video and written evidence suggesting the crime was premeditated and that preparations took over a year. Because, I mean, again, he started planning this in, what, 2012? Mm Mm-hmm. And then he said he was going to do it in Halloween at Halloween, twenty thirteen, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and it's twenty fourteen now. Yeah. And so I mean, that well over a year. Yeah. This has been taking place. Yeah. Um. So it came. This is this is a really sad part. I mean, the people dying. That's that's heartbreaking. Yeah. But this part. This part really got me when I was researching these notes. So, it came to light that Roger's parents tried to intervene on the evening of the killings. After receiving a copy of the manifesto, Roger's therapist phoned his mother, who in turn watched the video of Roger's, like... Manifesto. Manifesto, retribution video. um, And then called Roger's father, and they both drove up to Isla Vista... Um, during the drive, she called police in Isla Vista and arranged to meet when they arrived. Okay. Yeah. So, um, hearing a radio news report of the shooting in Isla Vista, his mom called the therapist who told her it was unrelated. Saying that Roger promised to act the following day and it would be unlike him to deviate from such details. Yeah. Wow. Wow, indeed. So, um, when they reached the police station in Isla Vista, uh, Roger's parents learned that the news report was, in fact, their son, and that he had killed six people. That's heartbreaking I for just, them. I mean, like, that's your kid. Yeah. No matter what, like, that is your kid. And you have to feel for all those other parents who lost their kids because of your kid. Because of what your kid did, these other parents are also suffering. Yeah. 
it's just and there's like there's no way to like even like talk to him and like no, find no. out anything more than what he already said. Yeah. Because he completed suicide, so like it's done. Yeah. Like there's no other rhyme or reason that you can get from him. Yeah. So, um several news networks as I had stated way earlier that um had got the video of retribution um uh so like abc news cbs news nbc news msnbc uh they all limited the use of the video for fear of copycat crimes Mm. um the fox news channel so well insert eye roll here um (laughs) actually refused to air the video altogether so that's something who knew fox news man (laughs) um my dad's gonna, my dad's turned off the podcast right now. <laughs> just, just so everybody knows, Emily's, Emily's viewpoints don't really line up with the rest Coincide of with my parents, um, or brothers. I have three brothers and I can 110% say I am the black sheep of them all. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, and that was my, my phone knocking in case anybody heard that lovely noise. That was my phone. Um, it's probably my mom, because, you know, (laughs) moms, moms, guys, moms. Um, so, uh, they did, Fox News did show five still photographs at the request of the network's vice president, um, but that's all they showed. They did not show the video at all. Um, in the last YouTube video titled Elliot Rogers Retribution, so the video, the mm-hmm. manifesto, he complained of being rejected by women and described the details of his upcoming attack. Also laying out motivations and plans. Um, police said that they were investigating the video because how could you not? It right. had everything in it. Yeah. Um, but in the wake of the killings, the video was deleted by YouTube because it violated YouTube's guidelines. guidelines. Um, so, but people are going to repost it. It's the mm-hmm. internet. Nothing ever dies. Nope. Um, kids, don't post anything on the internet if you don't want your kids to see it. <laughs> so, um, even if you take it down one second after you put it up, it's out there. Oh, it's out there. Somebody one. noticed. Oh, yeah. Somebody. somebody tagged that. The NSA's got you flagged. <laughs> like, it's out there, man. Um, so. Government oversight. Duh. Our FBI agent, we've named him Robert. <laughs> so. I apologize if that's not a real name. <laughs> Um, anyway, Rogers posted to the account, um, the video, and in the video he said, uh, I'm just gonna read you a little expert, excerpt of this all, not an expert, um, while this is my last video, it has all come to this, tomorrow is the day for retribution, the day in which I will have my revenge against humanity, against all of you, for the last eight years of my life, ever since I hit puberty, I have been forced to endure the existence of loneliness, rejection, and unfulfilled desires. All because girls have never been attracted to me. Girls gave their affection and sex and love to other men, but never to me. That right there, my friends, is toxic masculinity. When you think that somebody owes you something just solely because you are a man... This, this, this dude, guys. So, he goes on to say, I'm 22 years old and I'm still a virgin. I've never kissed a girl. I've been through college for two and a half years, more than that, actually, and I'm still a virgin. It has been very torturous. College is a time where everyone experiences those things such as sex and fun and pleasure. Within those years, I've had to rot in loneliness. It's not fair. You girls have never been attracted to me. I don't know why you girls aren't attracted to me, but I will punish you all for it. I don't know how. Like, how... Do you get to that mindset? Seriously. And there's so many men out there who are at that mindset that they think that women owe them something. And one of those men sit in a very high position of power right now. But he went on to blame African.
African Americans, uh, Hispanic people, South Asian men, East Asian men for, quote, making him want to quit life. He went on to say that full Asian men are disgustingly ugly and white girls would never go for you. You're just butthurt that you were born an Asian piece of shit. So you lash out by liking these um, fake pictures to catfish women. And you have to remember that his roommates were all Asian. Were all of Asian heritage. Wow. I yeah. mean, like, how do you even, like, put yourself in that position? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just, I could never, I, I, this sicko. I mean, that's all I can say is this sicko. I just feel like, like, he never, like, confronted anything. No. He just bottled everything up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was never like, you know what, I don't really like Asian people. You know, whatever. It's not... Like, he lived with three Asian men, for Christ's sakes. Like, I don't... I, I just, I don't know. Okay, so Maggie's barking, so we're gonna take a little break for right now. Maggie is our dog. Um, and when she barks, that means somebody's here. <sighs> Sorry for that little interruption, but Maggie felt like she needed to make her introduction. So, welcome, Max. Um... Anyway, back to this complete asshat. Further in his manifesto, he wrote, How could you, an inferior, ugly black boy, be able to get a white girl and not me? I am beautiful. I am half white myself. Because remember, he is half Pacific Islander. And there Maggie goes again. (laughs) Sorry, guys, if you can hear that. She's just losing her mind right now. Um, I'm descended from British aristocracy. He is descended from slaves. In the manifesto, he outlined some of his plans. So he is literally comparing black men to slaves. Like, like, just, just further trying to up himself. Right. Like, generalizing all black people as slaves. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but he, okay, please pause. Anyway, he goes on to describe the killings. He, in his manifesto, he specifically mentions a war on women. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and most of the, like, attack, the most of the um, plan of attack was his war on women. Like, he said that they were starving him of sex, um, which he goes on to describe that there's going to be a second phase. So, if he had not crashed his car Mm -hmm. and then completed suicide, there would have been a whole nother phase to continue. Right. Um, it's not enough. Yeah, yeah. It's never, it's never enough. Um, so in Roger's self, like, self-proclaimed ideal world, he imagined that he would quarantine all women in concentration camps, lol, quarantine, <laughs> what we kick in right now, <laughs> um, anyway, he would quarantine all women to concentration camps, and at these camps, the vast majority of female population will be deliberately starved to death. Not just, like, killed. No, 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 no. Starved to death. Starved to death. Because, remember, he said that he was starving Uh, of sex. Right. So, I mean, you know, your life just isn't complete without sex. No. Never. Never. Um, so, he goes on to say that he will attack the very girls who represent everything I hate in the female gender. The hottest sorority of UCSB. So he already he already knew where he was going to attack. Mm-hmm. But then he it seems like after he attacked the sorority house, mm-hmm. he just kind of did not know where he was going to go. He just hit every road after road after road after right, road. Right, because it didn't go as he had planned, right? No. Because they didn't open the door. Exactly. So, like, you can only imagine what would have happened if they had opened the door. Massacre. Oh, yeah. Complete and utter massacre. And... You heard the direction, so he was going up and down the same street, mm-hmm. just hitting anybody and everybody that was near. Yeah. With his car, with gunshots, everything in between. Yeah. So, um, 
after he says he will deliberately starve them to death, he said that would be a very efficient way and fitting way to kill them all off. I would have an enormous tower built just for myself and gleefully watch them all die. But sure, there's no, thing, no such thing as toxic masculinity. No such thing as that, Sierra. I mean, you know, it's not something that I come into contact with with people that I know so much. I mean, but there's 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 the underlying thing of the toxic masculinity. Yeah. Like with the tow truck driver the other day. Oh. Sierra's car um had a little incident. We had to get it towed. Um and the tow truck driver, as soon as he got there, he was going to try to start jump start the car. We had already started, tried to jumpstart the car. It had not worked. Um, I had my wonderful stepdad come out and try to jumpstart the car. It still wouldn't work. Um, and I told the truck driver, the the tow truck driver, that we had tried to do this. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, you know, just let me try. Just let me try. And I was like, but my dad had already came out and tried. And as soon as I said those words, that my dad had come out and tried to do it. He was like, oh, okay. So that right there, that right there is just that little niche. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. Exactly. It's not always right in your face. Or it's not always, like, violent. But it's just, like, a way of thinking about things. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that is so ingrained, and especially here in the South... Mm-hmm. With racism as well. You know, it's yeah. it's just a thing that is so ingrained in people's minds that we need to change their way of thinking. They probably don't realize that that's... Oh, no, no, no. no. I, I very much think that they realize in most cases. And then in other cases, it's something that they have grown up with. Right. Because you have to think, our grandmothers mm-hmm. came from a silent generation. Yeah. Where they did what their husbands said, and they didn't argue. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm not that way. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not going to happen. If y'all haven't, no, ma'am. if y'all have not figured it out already, <laughs> I'm not silent. Nope. <laughs> Sierra, bless her heart, we've lived together, what, a year and a half? Yeah. And it took you, our first Skype thing, to figure out I was not silent. <laughs> she uh, did all the talking. Oh, pretty much. We did a, a Skype interview before yeah. we moved in together. And I'm a motor mouth if you guys have not figured out by <laughs> by this point. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he was going to build himself a tower. You know, that's just another way of him trying to emulate himself as something that he's not. Right. Give himself some more power to put himself at a higher place mm-hmm. above more people mm-hmm. so he makes himself feel bigger. Yeah. That's like dudes that jack up their trucks because they have tiny dicks. <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it just is what it is, man. Compensation. It's compensation. And this sort of compensation right here, by him building this tower for himself, is him a way for him to feel more powerful. But yet, one of the reasons that he's so... Uh, against women and why he wanted to, like, do all this is that he is lonely. Yes. And he's gonna put himself at the top of a high tower. Yep. Looking down on everybody, and that's gonna magically cure his loneliness. Yeah, that's gonna make you feel so much better. (sighs) Guys, guess what? It's not gonna make you feel so much better. It's not any less lonely at the top. No. 110%. And that that right there just shows the 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 mental stability of this dude. Because mm-hmm. he's it, there's no way. Like I have like I've told you this, which I'm gonna tell you guys this now. I don't think that mass murderers are all there. It's just it it's not possible for somebody to think it is okay mm-hmm. to murder other people in this way. It's like it just. There has to be something wrong with you in order to think that it's okay to take another human life. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole, it's a whole uh, reasoning in criminology. It's a, yeah. a psychological situation. Yes. A mental health situation. Yeah. That causes people to commit crimes. Now, I'm not saying people, like all people with mental health issues. Commit crimes. Commit crimes. Because right. that is not true. I have right. severe anxiety. Like. Sierra will attest, I have severe anxiety and OCD, and 
I'm not about to go out and kill people. But this dude has to have something other, some other sort of thing that we just have not been able to discover that was wrong with him. Because, like, he came from a good family. Mm -hmm. He had every sort of resource provided to him. Mm -hmm. And he still turns out this way. So there has to be something... I mean, he was bullied, but I mean, like, that can't be the only thing. Right. Because there are a lot of people who are bullied who can still be good functioning members of society. Yes. But, like, a lot of people of abuse can still turn out to be decent human beings. Yeah. It's not... It's, it's not end-all, be They all, don't like, all turn out to be serial killers. Yeah. yeah. So, um... Also in the manifesto, he said that he planned to kill his half-brother and his stepmother. Um... But he wasn't mentally prepared to kill his father. So. That's something. I mean, it's something, but it's not, again. Because you have to think, his half-brother was younger than him. Mm -hmm. So that's somebody below him. Right. Um, And his stepmother is a woman. Mm -hmm. So that's also something below him. Right. Um, But his father is a man Mm -hmm. who is older. So that already gives him some sort of authority over him. Yeah. He is also the one that is supplementing his income. Okay. Because he is a college student. Yeah. So, Everybody um, knows how broke we are. We so broke, guys. <laughs> so, so broke. Um, sponsor us on Patreon. Please become a Patreon. Because we so broke. It's not even funny. <laughs> Sierra was planning our entire financial plan. Please sponsor us on the Patreon. <laughs> um, at Paranormal Podcast. Um... So, he wasn't mentally prepared to kill his father. Uh, so, I just want to close this up with a, like, a really strong point of what toxic masculinity does to our society. Because it's, it's, it's something that affects everybody. Mm-hmm. It doesn't only affect women. Mm-hmm. You know? Because, yeah. um, like, you put one, one half of the population down, you're holding the whole population back. Yeah. Absolutely. So... I read this really, really amazing quote from a really badass lady um, named Amanda Heiss, writing for Slate. Uh, She said that, Though Rogers killed more men than women, his motivations were still misogynistic because his reason for hating the men he attacked was that he thought they stole the women he felt entitled to. And I don't know about y'all, but no man, no person, mm-hmm. is entitled to me. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, oh, God, but I just, it, it's just shocking, and it's, it's not shocking because it happens so often now, because... Right, but it's gun like, violence how, is a very for, real how thing. long do we have to go until that mindset is not? Yeah, well, that's like with school shootings. How mm-hmm. long do we have to go where school shootings are no longer the norm? Mm-hmm. I told Sierra the other day, March was the only month without school shootings since, what, 2000? They said, like, 10 years. And, and like, 10 years, so 2010, um, that had not had a school shooting. And that's because there was no fucking school. Yeah. So that right there just sets the tone for what is wrong with our society. Like, stronger gun laws need to be in place. Children are dying. People of all ages are dying. Mm Mm-hmm. And this dude right here killed six of them. And he was able to purchase three guns in three different cities. Four hundred rounds of ammunition that went unshot. Yeah. Like, you don't even need that much for on hand for anything. No. There's no reason for it. So, that is my story. That is the story of Elliot Roger, also known as the Isla Vista mass murderer. Um, like I said earlier, all the pictures of this dude... Um, the cars, the street, um, are on the blog at paranormpodcast.com. 
Hey, Sierra, you want to tell everybody how they can find us and communicate with us? Yeah, so, uh, on Facebook and Instagram, you can follow us at Paranorm Podcast. Where can they support us at? You can support us on Patreon at Paranorm Podcast. And if you want to email us and suggest stories or anything like that, please feel free to. We would love to hear from you guys. It's paranormpodcast at gmail.com. And those are all the fun things we have for you guys today. All right. All right. I guess we will be back next week, next Tuesday. Very loud. I will be very Southern. And very proud. And very proud. So thank you guys for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. To our very first live episode. (laughs) Not live. Not live. You know what I mean. Y'all bitches know what I mean. That's how I refer to everyone, by the way. Don't take offense. It just is how it is. It's just a word. It's just a word. Don't mean nothing more than that. Please don't read into it. And if you feel want to send us a nasty email about it, we listed our email, so. We have a spam filter for a reason. <laughs> Alright, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye.